Episode 5, Tracy's Story, Dead or Alive? Welcome to Benita and the Baracas. Nancy will correct me on how to pronounce that in a moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thank you all for being here. Before we start, I just want to say if you're watching this on YouTube and you have not yet sub- subscribed to this channel, please do so, so that you can get updates on when new episodes come out. If you are listening to this, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Lovecond, which is L-O-V-E-C-O-N-N-E-D. I appreciate all your support and the following. And tonight, I have with me my dear friend, Nancy. Welcome back, Nance. Hello, darling. How are you? Good, honey. You're looking and fabulous. Thank you, honey. You too. I love the blue butterfly. And thank then you. we have also from Florida with us tonight, Tracy. Welcome, Tracy. Hi. Glad to have you with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for coming on to share your story. It's not an easy thing to do. Really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. I'm really glad you're here. Before we start, I have to say, give a little disclaimer here. We do swear on the show. There is adult language in the show, so be forewarned, please. <laughs> this is not this is not a G-rated show. She's, <laughs> she's mainly talking about me, but I'm trying to do better. <laughs> okay so tracy i think you first heard my story on dr death is that right yes that's correct what was it when you heard my story i'm just curious what was it that resonated with you or what were your thoughts what made you reach out to me when you started talking about the crazy, um, the crazy lies, I mean, it just, it resonated with so many things that I had been through. I had reached out because I just wanted to say thank you, really, because I know it's so hard to talk about and people don't realize that these things happen to, to a lot of us and we feel stupid and we feel embarrassed and we don't want to talk about it and we want to hide our story. But I mean, I think the more of us that yell it from the rooftops, the less people it's going to happen to. hundred percent. Yeah. Could not agree with you more. And that's why I'm so grateful that you did reach out and I'm so grateful that you're talking. It's, it's hard. It's hard to talk about and it's, it's hard to be in the public eye. And I've been doing this for seven years now and it's, it's still hard. I still get all the the shamers and the haters and the and I've been talking a lot about that this week the victim shaming it just mm-hmm. it just never ceases to amaze me you know here we have women I mean all of us have been through things and to come forward and talk about it and be brave enough to talk about something that's personal and humiliating and then to have the finger pointed at you you know it's yeah. like whoa this is just the wrong it's so it's just it's so damaging I hope we can do something to stop it you know so we're going to give you, first of all, we're going to give you your guy a fake name because we don't want to, so make up, give us a name. What, what are we calling your guy tonight? Jay. Jay. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're calling him Jay. So you met Jay back in 2005, right? Yep. I know you told me you were going through a kind of a vulnerable period at the time. What was going on in your life? Um, I had, I had gone through a really ugly divorce had been in an abusive marriage. Um, so I had come through all that and had reached a point where I just, I'd stopped dating. I didn't date anybody for, for several years. My daughter at the time was, gosh, she must've been like seven or eight. I was just really, I'd spent several years just focused on, on being a mom and dating was the last thing on my list. So I had signed up on an online dating site. I met him online and we hit it off really easily and and very quickly from there. What about him at the beginning was it that attracted you to him? What about him drew you in? 
his sense of humor. He didn't take things super seriously. He didn't get angry. I think coming out of having been in an abusive relationship, interacting with someone who who didn't get angry, who didn't yell and 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 lash out over over minor things was was appealing to me. Um, so you know, coupled with his sense of humor and his intelligence, and we just connected on on a lot of levels. That's the hard part with any of these guys, right? At the beginning, you think they're kind of like Mr. Perfect. Yeah. 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 And especially like, you know, a couple months after we started dating, uh, my mom had a heart attack and I ended up staying in a hotel for like a week while my mom had had triple bypass surgery. And I would, so I could be at the hospital with her. And when I went to go check out and they're telling me that my bill's been paid um, because he had called and, and paid it because he didn't want me to have that stress in my life. And so, you know, having somebody who was thoughtful and, and caring and, you know, made me feel special. And you hadn't been dating him very long at that point, right? No, I think it was maybe like two or three months at that point. Yeah, yeah definitely. That would that would be just something nice, kind and generous. Yeah, you know? right. That just seems um, like a nice person. Yeah. So I'm going to go through, Tracy, some of the things, but you said not very long into it, you started to feel like you phrased it as a dirty little secret. Mm -hmm. Explain that to us. So we were more than a year into it at that point. And like, I hadn't met his family. I hadn't met any of his friends. Like I was a separate piece of his life. And I pushed and pushed and pushed because it bothered me. I did. I felt like a dirty little secret. Like he was ashamed of me and, and he had to hide me away. (laughs) And did he give you, what was his reason for not bringing you into the fold of his life and introducing you to his family, his friends, whatever? Um, you know, at the time he said he didn't have a lot of friends, that he hadn't been in Florida for that long. And so, I, you know, I was okay with that. I mean, but with the family, it was that um, they they wouldn't approve of me, that I was a single parent, um, that I was divorced. Wow. And so they wouldn't. That's hard. Yeah. That, and and he would say, he's like, well, you know, I, I've, I've only ever brought one other person around for my family to meet. And that was somebody that he said he was, in, that he had been engaged to. And at one point, um, we did break up because I had just reached the point of, listen, if this isn't going to grow beyond where we are, then what's the point of this? I'm not going to you know, stay in the wings forever. Talk about a warning sign. That's like a Beep, beep. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. yeah, that's like emergency. Get out, pull the slide. Yeah. Yeah. And then he kind of lures you back in. How does, how does he do that? So it was going into the holidays and, um, my daughter and I had had pictures taken. And so on a whim, I sent him a Christmas card with our picture in it. But then a couple of, I guess about a month or so after that, he said that he'd been thinking a lot and he wanted to sit down and have a conversation with me and against my better judgment decided, okay, let's, I'll sit down and I'll have a conversation with him. And so, I mean, I flat out said, I'm not going to go back to what we were just doing. You know, we we need to be working towards getting married. I mean, we've been together, you know, we've known each other for two years at this point. So, you know, the agreement to get back together was based on the conversation of him saying, okay, yes, we will work towards getting married and we will, you know, move things forward from that point. Yeah. Things are different. Yeah, and then he did propose, right? It sounds like a kind of a, a gorgeous proposal. Tell me, tell us about that. Um, he had booked a, a couple days in Key West, and um, we were staying at a beautiful hotel right on the water. 
and uh, walked out on the pier at sunset, and he and he had proposed on, on at sunset on the pier there. Ooh. Romantic. It was very beautiful. So at this point, you think everything's kind of okay, right? Yeah, at this point, um, I had met his parents. So, you know, things had started to progress in, in what people would be normal, you know. So he was following through on the things that he told that, that I had told him needed to happen in order for us to be together. But then you start talking about a series of kind of catastrophes, right? <laughs> Often there are excuses why he has to cancel plans at the last minute or he's disappearing like so the first one was actually, I had had surgery and spent like four days in the hospital. Um, I come home and he had promised he was going to be there to help take care of me. And so um, we get back from the hospital and like within hours, he's, he's, in, he's telling me, he's like, my parents were in Canada. They were in a car accident. The OnStar went off and fire rescue came and got him. His dad, I guess he said his dad had a heart attack. Um, but he had to jump on a plane and take off and take care of his parents and, and be with his family. So now my like, support. What do you say to that, right? Even though you just got out of surgery, you sound right. like an idiot or an asshole if you say, oh, <laughs> stay with me, right? Right, exactly. Then I'm the asshole because I want right. you to take care of me because this is what you promised me you're going to do. And then my mom had another heart attack. And so he's on his way up to, to be with me and tells me that he gets a call that his dad had a stroke. And so he can't come and be with me. He's on his way to go um, help take care of his parents. Um, and then there was his mom being diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's leukemia. And with that, it was a constant. I mean, every time I was expecting him to show up, he would disappear because, oh, mom's having this, this catastrophe and this catastrophe. And it was always Man. coinciding with a holiday. Um, uh, mm, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. In my case, it was an emergency surgery, but it was always at the holidays too. Yeah. Interesting, Interesting. right? And then there were situations where it was like I was running the Chicago Marathon and he was supposed to fly out to be with me. But all of a sudden he comes down with the flu or something. And, you know, it was like every time I turned around when I needed him and I was going to rely on him, some catastrophe happened. Right. Mm. The walking catastrophe, I call it. Yes. Yeah. And then during all of this, so your wedding keeps getting postponed, right? You're you're engaged, but the wedding plans keep getting postponed. Is that right? There was just so much going on with his family that on. there was no way. Yeah. But at the same time, my mom's in and out of the hospital. I had had yeah. continued health issues. So I had had actually two yeah. surgeries that year. Um, and my daughter is in, is starting middle school. So like my focus is not really on that. I think this is another thing that happens too when, when women get involved with these types of guys. They have an ability to not only choose women that are vulnerable, but also to choose women and they choose them on purpose that are often single moms or, you know, widows yes, yes. or whatever with kids and big jobs and whatever that we have so much going on that we literally can't focus, you know, we're focused on all this and they count on that because they know we don't have time to zero in on all that right, bullshit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Okay, so then his mom dies in 2008, and he flies you to Philly for his mom's funeral. Tell, tell me, tell oh, us what happened. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, so this is, um, so he flies me to Philly for his mom's funeral, and I can't get a hold of him. And so now it's the night before, and I'm still not getting a hold of him. It's the morning of, and I finally reach him, and he tells me that he's, uh, I don't remember where he was. It was Virginia, North Carolina, somewhere, somewhere not in Philadelphia, though. Um 
but what he tells me is that the, the, there had been multiple disagreements in the family and that his mother had told, had told his father, um, that I was not to be at her funeral and that he would lose his trust if he brought me with him to the funeral. And so oh, his, why? what's wrong? Why, what, why are you the big bad witch? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I wasn't good enough. That was the, 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 the oh, message I'm that so was, sorry. that's just awful to hear. I'm really sorry. Yeah, it was, it was, it was horrible to hear, but it, like at the same time, that to me was secondary because I'm concerned about him who's just lost his mom. So it's like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, so he said that he and his sister, who was also dating somebody that they apparently didn't approve of, um, had taken off and had gone to stay in a cabin and to do their own their own memorial for their mom, and that that was where they were, um, and they weren't going to go to the no, funeral. No outsiders, right? Nobody yep. from the outside. It was just no, it wasn't, wasn't just you, right? Well, but so from there it gets crazier. <laughs> So from there, he's like, he tells me that his dad was driving to where they are and his dad has a heart attack and that they were on the way to the hospital to take care of their dad because he was on death. He was on his deathbed at that point. Oh man. Shit. Okay. Another catastrophe. You kind of get fed up, right? But, but then he kind of comes around and you guys move in together and he starts being really good with your daughter yeah, so um, after, you know, him being long distance for, for a while there with him in South Florida and I'm in Central Florida, my daughter starts playing soccer on a, on a highly competitive level. So we're traveling a lot. So his suggestion was, well, either work full time and put her in private school or if you want to work part time, I'll... I'll cover the the expenses in the house and you can homeschool her and not worry about it. And so that was what we ended up doing. He sponsors her soccer team. Um, He's, you know, at her games most of the time. I mean, he's a huge support for her during this. But you also said then he would, he would disappear like three or four nights a week, right? He would be gone on either to conferences or um, like in other parts of the state. And so he would stay for a night or two, but you know, with everything I had going on, it wasn't a big deal to me. It was, it was, it was fine. And because his office Mm -hmm. was over an hour away, he would sometimes tell me he was staying in his office. And if you questioned it, did he make you feel like you were kind of the one that was crazy or something was wrong? Then I was the asshole. Yeah. So whenever he would start to be sketchy and I would confront it, he would manipulate it to make me feel bad. Yeah. Gaslighting. Yeah. Typical gaslighting. They like, I used to call it the, um, the fog of lies, you know, like anytime I would question my guy, they're so good at twisting it around that your head starts feeling foggy because you're like, okay, wait, am I, am I the one that's crazy? Am I the one that's wrong? Yeah. And the fact that they can keep all the lies straight, like that's the part that always baffled me. It's like (laughs) compartmentalizing. Okay. So now I want to fast forward to March of 2015. You guys have been together 10 years at this point, minus, you know, time off for breakups, right? You're still engaged. Yes. Still not married. You take this big ski trip to Colorado. Part of it is to celebrate your 10 year anniversary. And this is where everything blows up. Tell us, tell us what happened. So we were in Colorado and when we got there, there was a weird situation where he had a niece who went to school in Colorado who um, lived in Florida though. So 
he was borrowing her car the week that we were there. He asked me to get something out of the glove box and I reach in there and I find a driver's license with a name on it. And the name doesn't make sense. It's his niece's driver's license, but it had it's and his niece is his sister's daughter who's married. So it has his, the, his niece has his last name, which doesn't add up. And I'm like, why does, why does she have your last name? If this is your sister's daughter, why doesn't she have her father's last name? And he's like, oh, my sister never took her husband's name. And so the kids have her name. And I'm like, okay, weird, but just sort of filed it in the back of my brain. But the entire trip, it, it was, it was like an itch that I was like, something's not right here. Intuition, intuition. Yeah. Female intuition. The very last day, I'm upstairs in the in the um, condo that we had rented, getting ready, and on a whim, I I put the name into um in, into my phone just to search, and I come up with a Facebook page for this girl, and um it has her going to a high school on the east coast of Florida. When I'm under the impression that they live on the west coast of Florida, so I'm like this. Okay. This doesn't add up, but now we're running out the door. So we go out, we ski the rest of the day. And, and this, this has been, bo- this bothers me the entire day. So we get to the airport and I pull out my laptop and I put that name back into, I Google search it again. And this time I come up with a, um, with an obituary, you know, I'm under the impression his mom died in 2008. Well, I pull up this obituary for his mother from 2014 saying that his mother was survived by oh, wait, wait, her. hold on. So for six years, he, he's been telling you his mother's dead and she's still alive for, for six whole years. And his father, he told me his father that when his father had that heart attack, his father ends up passing away. So that's not dead either. Dad never, dad is still alive to this day. And there was a nephew that he killed off as well. That is still alive as well. (laughs) But then then there was a part about, but wait, wait, this girl, better. So I'm reading the obituary and I'm sitting at the airport, like waiting to board a plane. And the obituary says that she is survived by her three children, uh, including Jay, his wife, and their two children. The niece was his daughter. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. So all along, he's, he's been telling he's me. He's been he married has- this whole time. Yep. So then I get on an airplane and I fly home and I'm like freaking out in my head the entire time. Um, of course. You know. And, and not so, only that, right? He told you he had three sisters and one of the sisters had two kids. And it turns out that those kids were his, his kids, right? Yes. And the sister is probably his wife. The his sister, wife. His wife. The other, he had two sisters and the third one was the wife. Damn. Slick Willie. Wow. Who lies about somebody dying? That's demented. He said, I felt numb. Nothing mm-hmm. felt real. I felt like I was looking at myself from the outside in. And I know that feeling so well. Like, who is this person that I thought I was in love with? Who is this person that's sleeping in my bed, right? It was just surreal. Like, like time wasn't moving. And I'm just watching this from the outside. And like, I didn't want to speak. If I said anything, if I spoke, it was real. So I just said nothing. Like my daughter was trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Why am I not talking? And I'm just completely silent through this entire flight home, the entire drive home from the airport, even once we get home. Like, Everything just felt like it was moving in slow motion around me. And I'm just sitting there watching it happen from outside of myself. 
because it's such a shock, right? Yeah. Like what's real, you know, what, what else is a lie? What, what in the things that I know about you and the things that we've been through for 10 years now, what is real out of this? And who are you? It's like a a Rolodex and then you're now you're putting it in reverse (laughs) Mm -hmm. or like the scene from a movie and you're just, you're back playing it now. And you're like, was that real? Was that real? Was that real? Exactly. So did you confront him? I, I don't confront him for a couple of days, actually, because okay. he went to Chicago. I've gone into full like private investigator mode at this yeah. point. He was coming back Wednesday. And so we had made a plan to um, to meet and have dinner. I didn't want to confront him at home because I, I was scared. Not that I was ever scared of him, but you when you confront somebody and you corner them, you don't know what they're no. going to do. And I did not want to risk that. So I wanted to confront him in public. So we, we get to the restaurant and we always sat next to each other when we were in a restaurant. We never sat across from each other. So as we're walking up to the table with the hostess, I'm like, oh, crap, I don't want to sit next to him. I want to sit across from him. I want to see his face. So I excuse myself and I run to the restroom really quick and I come back and I sit down and I chugged two martinis in about three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, listen. You know all those dark, deep, dark secrets in life that you would never want anybody to find out about? I know all of them. And I just mm-hmm. waited for a reaction, and there was none. It was just poker face. No expression whatsoever. So he's like, well, if you know, then I don't need to tell you anything. And I'm like, no. I want to hear the words come out of your mouth. I want to see you. I want to see you tell me this. And did he? Um, he, he tried to glaze over things. He was like, oh, well, you know, you found, you found out I have a wife. Okay. Yeah. But we're divorced now. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you know, why have you been lying all this time? And he, he's like, well, I wanted to tell you so many times, but I knew that if I told you and you knew the truth, you would leave. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Why do you think he did this? What do you think was wrong with him or is wrong with him? I think that his marriage was broken. And he was looking to cheat and he never intended to actually um, develop feelings for somebody. I'm going to say, Tracy, even if that were true, that's maybe understandable. But to make up these kind of lies. Right. But then at that point, he was too far in to backpedal. And so I think that he just kept digging the hole deeper and deeper, hoping that eventually it would level out. But it wasn't ever going to because at some point I had to find the truth. That's the same with my guy. But also, I think in order to be able to tell those kind of lies, you're a pathological liar at a minimum. Yes. And more likely a sociopath, right? You People don't tell those kind of lies. You don't say, you don't walk around for six years saying your mother's dead when your mother's not dead. Right. And and his father, I mean, he'd been telling me his dad was dead the, since 2008, the same year. And, and the actual nephew, not the nephew that was really his son, his real actual sister's son. He told me was shot on Christmas day in a hunting or on Christmas Eve in a hunting accident shot in the head. The whole thing made up. Wow. The other thing that really killed me about all this, aside from all these people that were still alive or died when, you know, later than the, you also found out that the ring was less sort of like I did. The ring was fake, right? Yep. So I, um, you know, I, at that point we had split and I had a, a daughter going off to college and I'm trying to restart my career. Cause I had stopped working in what, 2009. Um, so I'm, you know, trying to get myself back off my, on my feet. And so I take the ring in to see what it's worth because I'm under the impression that this is, you know, a platinum ring with a very, a large diamond that is a, a very good cut. 
So I get in and they're like, uh, that's a cubic zirconia. <laughs> Sorry. And it's titanium, right? You know, my ring was fake too, right? I don't know if yeah. you knew that. Part. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Mine was supposedly worth $100,000. It was actually worth maybe 1000 if I was lucky. Yeah, this was supposed to be like a VVS1, like, you know, almost perfect Asher cut two carat diamond. It was definitely a, a slap in the face after so many years of, you know, canceled wedding dates and postponed right. things that hurt. That was hard. Sorry. You talked about the fact that they kind of walk away, you know, even when they're caught, mm-hmm. they just walk away and they don't understand how much it fucks us up mentally when they do this. They walk away and move on with their lives. And we are stuck with the guilt. Yep. Mm-hmm. The guilt, the shame, the emotional yeah. backlash of it all. And he was married. He was married to someone else within a year of us breaking up. Damn. Wow. Wow. How did that make you feel? Do you feel like he ever actually loved you? I do feel like he loved me. Um, but it did. It did. It was a slap in the face. But there's also guilt because you put your kid and everybody in your yeah. family, you put all these other people through this. Yeah. And so there is guilt. There is there yeah. is that sense of, you know, yeah. I I brought this into my daughter's life. Very much so. So Tracy, how are you doing now? Like are you <laughs> let's is there is there a rainbow? Is there a light at the end of this rainbow? Like you're so beautiful and you're such a pretty lady and you have such a nice heart. How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, I mean, financially and professionally, I'm fully recovered. Um, I'm, I'm in a good place in those parts of my life. Um, relationship wise, it's, it's definitely been a struggle. I mean, how do you trust? How do you, how do you let your walls down, you know, and then, I, I, I try to date and I get into these situations where I'm told I'm quote unquote too independent because I can't allow somebody in enough to right. let them feel like I need them because I don't. And I don't think I ever right. can need another person at this point. And so, you know, I've come to terms with that and, and, you know, I'm pretty upfront with people about what I've been through because like, as soon as I meet somebody like I need last names. I'm doing like, I yeah. search all the courthouse records. If you've told me you're divorced, I want to be able to see proof of your divorce. If you're separated, okay. I want to see that there's a divorce finalized. I mean, like badly necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a good person will understand that. Like yeah. Benita and I talk about it all the time as far as, wow, what do our, what do our later years look like? I'd like to meet somebody again and fall in love again. I know, but you start but wondering if you ever we're will. Bruised. Right? Yeah. We're bruised. We're broken. We're hurt. And it's hard to trust again. And, you know, because there are so many really good liars out there, you know, it's like, oof. what about your daughter? What kind of impact, impact has yeah. this had on her? She has trust issues. You know, she's, I think she's okay from it, but she has similar trust issues that I have with everything. Yeah. It's hard. And are, are you guys still close? You and your daughter? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like me and mine. Yeah. We're very yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. And thank goodness we have that. Right. I think this would be so difficult if if, I can't imagine having done this alone, you know, and I have Nancy here. Incredible. I have really, really incredible friends um, that have gotten me through this. Like, I I don't think I could have gotten through it without them, actually. I was really fortunate when I moved. So when everything 
happened and my daughter was going off to college, I didn't have anybody, any real strong support system in, in, in where I had moved to in South Florida. So, um, I moved back to central Florida where my family is. And because I had lived here before, I had, you know, I had friends and stuff like that here. And so when I moved back, um, my friends just, they, they introduced me into their circles of friends and they, they just embraced me. I mean, they, they never let me sit home and feel sorry for myself. No matter how many times I just wanted to be home and by myself, they dragged my ass out (laughs) and enjoy life and live and and, and not dwell on it. And they, they, they pushed me to, to move forward with my life. And I am so grateful for them. And my brother, especially, I mean, I don't know how many times I've cried at my, on my brother (laughs) over everything. And yeah, I just had goosebumps because that's your tribe, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. We talked a little bit at the beginning about victim shaming, but what are some of the things you want women to know, Tracy, that might be just coming out of this or going through this or watching this tonight thinking like you, when you listen to me, like, Oh God, that's, that's me. That's my story. Um, I think the, I think the, the biggest takeaway is you can't, you can't let it break you number one, but you also can't, um, you, it happens no matter how smart you are, no matter how intelligent you are and how much you think you have your eyes open Things happen and you can't control them. And all you can do is control how you respond to them. You can't control the things that happen to you. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. I can relate on that in so many levels. And and gratitude sets in for the people that did pull you up and Mm -hmm. slap you around. Let's go. Get up. (laughs) You know. Well, I think the message, too, is that you can. And that's what I always, you know want women to know is you can survive this. It feels like you can't. Yeah. And yeah. there are still days when I'm just like, Oh, why am I yeah. doing this? You know, but you can survive this. Um, and it does make you better and stronger. Yeah. And I think talking about this is so important because it's just, that's the only way to fight back against all the naysayers and all the trolls and all the haters and all the people are like, Oh, you're so stupid. That would never happen to me. You know, you know, every day on TikTok I see this, Oh, please. That would never happen to me. It's like, you know what? Don't be so sure. You know? Yeah, be careful. Yeah. Right. And it's like, because when you take 10 years worth of crazy situations and yeah. you, know, you condense it into a, what, a one hour conversation and you're just seeing those right. super crazy situations, there's still, you know, 10 years so worth of normalcy yeah. and, you know, just day to day life where everything is good and we're happy right. and everything right. is fine. And- right. Well, thank you, Tracy. I'm really glad you reached out. I'm glad to meet you virtually. Yes. And, you know, and, which, Nancy, I forgot at the beginning, I'm going to let you do, to explain what a baraka is. I'm going to let you tell you how, tell everyone how you pronounce it correctly and what, what it is. I forgot to do that at the beginning. Well, barakas is basically a Colombian name for badass women. So it's for women. The slang that, term. Yeah. Yeah. The slang term. So it's for women that have, come back from something and, you know, resolved and uh, just strong women, you know, resilient women, resilient. We celebrate you, Tracy, and we, we encourage you. And I really encourage you to write, write your book and whether (laughs) it, 
whether it's a blog, vlog, or podcast, whatever, yeah. you know, your story is really amazing. You. <laughs> huh? yeah, I want to reach out and hug her. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we've all got those stories. And it's like, you know, we, we got to tell them and share them. Because hopefully there's some younger women out there that maybe the one message they get is just pay attention. I know we're doing the right thing by talking about this. So thank you. I, I, like I said, I I really appreciate the platform to share my story because it is important. I think that the more women, the more people hear it, the the less likely someone else is to go through it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe they'll wake up and resolve and realize their situation. Yeah. Right. Stay strong. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully we'll get to meet in person sometime. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Keep in touch, Tracy. Absolutely. Thank you both. Good night. Um, Good night. Thank you. Until next time. This episode of Benita and the Baracas was hosted and executive produced by me, Benita Alexander. My guests are Nancy Kumba and the lovely Tracy. Episode was edited by Brandon Kiefer.